Hi, everyone. It's Anthony. Thanks for taking the time to join us. As part of the association's 60th anniversary celebration, we're taking some time to meet with the women and men, the dedicated professionals um, in our industry that connect our businesses and communities through safe, reliable, and efficient transportation. So it's our honor to begin this first session of our We Are BizAv podcasts with uh, one of the most dynamic and passionate people in business aviation today, and that's Megan Simpson of London Air Services. Megan is the Client Services Manager at London Air, and we had a, a broad conversation both about um, her start in the industry, sort of where we are today, where the industry's going, but a line that I cherish from the conversation, you know, when talking about sort of the the clients, the diversity of the clients that use London Air Services and broadly that of our industry, you know, from business suits to construction boots. So I hope you enjoy this uh, conversation with Megan. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more as we get to know the uh, folks, the dedicated professionals in our industry. Thanks a lot. Megan, thanks for joining us. Uh, as we talked about, this is our We Are Business Aviation campaign and what the association wanted to do is go through and celebrate the women and men that are working in our industry and on behalf of our industry. Uh, it's so important for us here in Ottawa to share with our, our federal governments, our provincial governments, et cetera, the regulators, the stories of our industry so they get a better understanding. And COVID has certainly been a climate uh, that we've all dealt with. And I wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit about you know, who you are and, and how you got into business aviation. So perhaps, Megan, if we could turn to you for sort of that introduction, who you are, where you work, and sort of what you do. <laughs> okay, Anthony, thanks very much. Uh, my name is Megan Simpson. I uh, am the Client Services Manager at London Air Services based in Vancouver, uh, BC, of course. And London Air has uh, sort of the largest, pretty much the largest fleet in Western Canada. Definitely in Vancouver. We have uh, three Lear 75s, a Challenger 605, two Augusta Westland 139 helicopters, as well as a managed Global 6000. How I got in the industry, uh, interesting. Um, I, I try not to say my age, but I've uh, been doing it for about 25 years now. Uh, sort of a, a fluke, how I got into it. Uh, I started at the FBO level. Uh, knowing nothing about aviation except for that planes had wings and helicopters had rotors and uh, learned pretty much everything that I know for my 12 years in FBO and then have been here at London Air for 14 years or fantastic. just over. Well, that's fantastic. I know that you and I have, have worked and you've been a chapter champion of ours the uh, in Vancouver in particular with BC. So we, we've had the chance to chat. So maybe go back to that story about the FBOs, especially starting there. You know, I know it. I mean, I've operated the aircraft as well. And our FBO partners are so critical to how this thing happens, how business aviation works. Mm -hmm. Any stories that you remember of that FBO experience and working through the industry, things that stand out to you about maybe even it's the differences between, say, business aviation and commercial, but thinking in that lens of FBOs, how anything that stands out for you as memories uh, in the career? Well, obviously a lot of, you know, the fond memories is meeting the people face-to-face -face, um, a little differently than working, um, you know, behind the desk at uh, doing the charter uh, side of it. Um, you get to meet a lot of interesting people from all over the world um, for pleasure, business, 
industry, uh, heads of state, royalty, Hollywood, you know, we're Hollywood North here in Vancouver. So we did a lot of um, celebrities and stuff like that. So that was a very, very interesting aspect of the job is it, it was, you know, people that could own their own plane to, you know, uh, the U.S. military. Uh, we did APEC here in Vancouver. I can't remember the year off the top of my head. Um, but it was when Clinton was president and just the operation that goes into that is absolutely mind boggling. All the details that go into that, but business aviation, uh, I, I, having never worked in it before, I quickly learned, uh, how big and wide reaching it is. And then when I started going to the schedulers and dispatchers conferences in, uh, through the NBAA, you know, it's such a large industry um, and a lot of people are involved, but how small and close knit it is uh, when you start going to those conferences and meeting the people that you speak to, that I found just a wonderful community of people. My oh, experience was wonderful and learning, um, you know, just everything from the ground up about business aviation and airplanes in general. I, I know people, uh, people is my, are my thing very personal person. So it, that was the easy part, but dealing with all of the different levels of people. So you had, you know, very high type uh, executives to the pilots themselves and all the different personalities that come along with that. It's so funny you bring that, you know, I remember <clears throat> in my days as well, that, you know, it's, it's dangerous now to assume uh, if somebody shows up at the FBO and in a black t-shirt and jeans, you, you have really no idea who that individual is. He or she may lead a tech company. No. They may be mm -hmm. a passenger. They may be the aircraft owner. And so really does, it really does hit home the idea that uh, it's such a diverse group. And you, you, you talked about the, how anyone can really use this tool, this time machine. So the, the time. So from the FBO days until now, what's kept you in the industry? You mentioned the, the people focus. Is uh, that been the draw? Like what's kept you in business aviation today? Uh, I would say the, the people, uh, the, the job is interesting. No, no day is the same. Every day is different because you're dealing with different missions all the time to different places to, I mean, even going to the same place all the time, things change, you know, whether it be weather related, passenger related, their needs you know, and just, just helping people, helping get people get to where they want to go in a timely, efficient manner. I find it challenging and rewarding and wonderful. And in current, like you, you're, I think it's client services manager is the official title. But when you think about how clients have used the aircraft, how, how has that changed? Or is it the same? What are some of the the, the ways that they tell you they want to use the aircraft. Let me talk a little bit about that client experience that, uh, mm -hmm. that you're responsible for. You so, know? so yeah, I think from what I see in, in sort of my many years doing it, you know, and when I first started in the FBO, it was major, large national, international companies that had aircraft, you know, whether you had, you know, stocks, uh, you know, they're on the stock exchange, those types of things. Those were the ones that we were seeing the most of. Then, you know, with the introduction of, of net jets and fractional ownership, that made it m 
maybe more accessible to the people that weren't at that uh, Fortune 500 level to use the aircraft. I would say maybe I haven't seen it change in whether it's personal or business, Mm -hmm. because sometimes, you know, people do both at the same time. But uh, definitely companies that maybe would never have thought about it 10 years ago are, are utilizing it. Especially in Canada, we're such a vast, you know, area. We have a company that we fly to their different locations and, and they are in major cities, but they're also in smaller towns. And it just is the time that it takes to fly commercially to those small towns to do an hour or two meeting or, or, or half a day meeting to try and get in and out of those places is a two day or three day affair if there's only one flight in and out a day. So, you know, doing it in a private jet is, is, is huge for them. Yeah, and you've brought up a great point. Like, I mean, even, even without COVID and maybe that's the direction I'll go to next mm-hmm. is that, you know, you bring up the great point is that especially yeah. in Canada, right? I mean, <laughs> we, we've got such a vast country, east, west, and into the north, that uh, even now after COVID, with the airlines cutting back service, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be increasingly uh, more difficult to get into these communities. So maybe talk yes. about that. Let's talk about COVID then. Um, how has business aviation, in your experience, maybe it's within your operations or mm-hmm. in the Vancouver metro area, like how has business aviation adopted? How has it changed with COVID around us? So I would say that we are the amount of phone calls since last March that we have fielded for people that never have phoned us before, but were very interested to know how much it would cost or how little it would cost Mm -hmm. to get themselves or their family or their loved one that needed to, you know, fly for a medical appointment where, you know, typically they would drive or typically they would take an airline. Um, which they didn't want to do during COVID because that was there was an extra extra risk involved with that. We have seen our our inquiries a thousandfold. Wow. So we do, you know, we spend a lot more time talking to people on the phone or email back and forth, but a lot of phone calls just for people asking some questions of how it works. You know, not necessarily just even the price, just how it would work and what our COVID procedure is. Yeah. Uh, you know, and how safe the aircraft would be COVID related, not necessarily, you know, how quick it would be just to get on and off it, or, you know, what they could do in a day. It's definitely um, how it would keep them safe and, and the risk factor. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting point. It's what we've also tried to raise, like how unique FBOs are in general. I mean, the flying public typically, <clears throat> or even government, they view oh, like FBOs must be like a terminal. Well, they're, they're not in the sense that they're not the terminal. There is no uh, huge waiting area where everybody congregates. It's no. direct access to the tool. Yeah. The time machine. And I, I, I've always say, I always say when people, because no one knew what I did when I was working at the FBO and, and what an FBO is, what even it stands for. <laughs> um, and I always said it was like a hotel for airplanes. And I, were, <laughs> and I worked at the front desk of the hotel. Even it is, it is, it, it, but it's, it's like a hotel right for airplanes because we put them to bed in, in the hangar and <laughs> that's like a room. And, um, but you know, the terminal itself, you're right there. If there's, you know, 10 flights, 
it doesn't mean that all the passengers, whether there's 30 people, they're not all milling about, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're coming in and going out as fast as they came in because it's a private terminal and exactly. it's not a, yeah. Now, thinking about that, like going going beyond even for COVID, like I, I, I've always interested to see one of my favorite questions to ask folks is like, if you could wave a magic wand, so whether that's related to COVID, but in, in, in terms of thinking of business aviation, if you had to wave a magic wand to like make things better, improve certain areas, whether it's about regulations, it's about the customers, it's about the aircraft, it's about the crews, Anything that comes to mind in terms of things that if you could just fix these these areas, maybe it's about COVID or not, anything that stands out on things that you'd love to see fixed? I would say the, the levels of government that make the rules associated with um, business aviation, uh, whether in the US, Canada, you know, I have m- most experience with, the, with North America, is that they wrote clear mm-hmm. restrictions or laws or rules, whatever you want to call them, so that we are all on the same page. I'd agree with you. Uh, so, and, and in particular we, talking, I mean, the, the issue that we were talking about was Hawaii, of course, but mm-hmm. so I hear you. Yeah, it's, it's an especially in time. And, and even before COVID, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know every charter operator that I talk to, that I deal with, that I'm friends with, and that you probably speak to a lot of our frustration, you know, is with customs or with, um, you know, every place you go is different. Well, how can it be different? The law is the law or the rule is the rule. Well, how come it's different in every place you go? You know, if they, if they sort of drew it out a little better and gave more direction to those entities, then, you know, then we would all be on the same page. So, you know, even before COVID, you know, COVID has obviously made it harder because there's way more restrictions and um, rules, regulations. Yeah, and it's interesting when I think of it also, when you you talk about that aspect of COVID, I think the hardest thing is that, and you, you, you pointed out directly is, one experience can vary. So an operator can go to an airport and they can be met by a CBP official, let's say in the States or a CBSA official in Canada, and he or she may have an interpretation. You can look at the rule book and you can say, well, according to the interpretation, XYZ was supposed to happen, but ABC happened. And mm-hmm. the, the frustrating part sometimes is that our, our customers, the folks that are in the back of the aircraft, you know, yeah. they, they could have done the trip five different times and they're either different, the same, but what it does is it set it, it changes people's expectations, right? And that's the mm-hmm. hardest thing. I would agree with you is that getting some consistency and just applying that in a consistent fashion is key because that, in the end, that's what we're here to do is to get people safely, efficiently through their day. And having that as a consistent piece is, is critical. So mm-hmm. I think that's accurate. Yeah, and, and I've talked to many, um, you know, uh, CBP in the states, um, you know, over years and years, and and changes in presidential administration, um, you know, how, I mean, again, I've been doing this a long time, so I've been through a lot of different changes, and and it never used to be this bad. It was like it was like the, they've sort of put that stuff in the background. Um, and it's even frustrating for the officers themselves. So, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know who, 
who you have to talk to. And it's frustrating because you think there's got to be somebody <laughs> that you can talk to, to or write a, a letter to. And, and, but it never seems to, it never seems to change really. So. And that's the thing now is that we're so connected, right? So you can have a crew that goes into a location. They could say immediately like, well, this was our experience. And then you can post that and people can hear that. And then another crew can come to the same airport. I mean, I've over the last little while with stories of airports, say in Southwest Florida, right? Where, you know, one operator would go in and say they were cleared here. It was no problem. It was easy. An airport yeah. that's literally just up the road basically is like the exact opposite interpretation. Mm -hmm. And that's the frustrating element is that they're doing everything. They've got everything prepared the same way, but because that interpretation came through, mm -hmm. it's difficult. So maybe let's, yeah. let's talk about the, the, the future of the industry as you see it, whether it's you and your career or that of business aviation in general, how do you see maybe the next five years playing out with business aviation? Well, going sort of going back to what I said, you know, earlier about the amount of inquiries that we're getting. I don't know how the, how all this COVID plays out, um, how the next few years are going to go. People that have used our service that never did before, I would say they're going to think very hard whether they're going to, you know, we're going to do it again because it was a great experience, made it so much easier and it's so much safer COVID wise, uh, health and safety wise, not have to go through the terminal. It's a lot quicker. I think they're seeing all of the, the bonuses of, of doing it. So I think we're going to see a lot of people that never would have done it before flying this way. Mm -hmm. Um, and because we've seen the airlines just, you know, the amount of routes change, you know, who knows how long it's going to take to get those routes back up to places that people need to go, you know, even Halifax and, you know, getting from Vancouver to the East Coast, to the Maritimes, it seems like a futile effort even right now, whether that's going to, you know, get back up to its pre-COVID levels or not, I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree. It's it's something that, uh, especially the quarantine where we are today, I know that certainly a focus of ours from the association has been about trying to get to a place where, you know, let's build a testing regime. Let's have something in place that allows mm -hmm. people, one, the comfort to know that when they're moving about the country, they're doing it safely. And two, catches early enough those individuals that need a little bit of time to just recover, meaning mm -hmm. that's the individual that perhaps should go into quarantine as opposed to mm -hmm. these broad strokes. Because it is very difficult is that, you know, you get this mischaracterization that must every flight must be non-essential, but you know, you've got to move about the country. You've got to see your customers. Mm -hmm. You've got to engage in new business and we're all trying to make this happen. So I would yeah. agree with you. How does the Vancouver market? I mean, you, you talked earlier about how diverse the fleet is at London air services. Mm -hmm. That must be an interesting interplay, like the helicopters, a rotor fixed wing, uh, and then long range aircraft. Mm -hmm. um, how do you see, I know that, you know, we've been talking uh, at length with some of those urban air mobility, but how do you see that interplay between rotor and fixed wing? Uh, Vancouver is a special and unique market in that sense. Anything, it is very... anything you'd see from your customers, your clients on, on how they use those aircraft, some interesting insights that you'd have? Well, we, we often, like a lot of people don't realize that we have the helicopters. So we give them the option of reaching their ultimate destination or you know bringing bringing the fixed wing to vancouver and then they have to go to somewhere more remote mm -hmm. and taking the helicopter uh, as an option 
obviously we have Whistler, the 2010 Olympics were huge for Vancouver and opening that up to the world. Uh, Whistler is a, is our, is a big uh, charter destination for the helicopter, but we do so much more, uh, you know, with the pipeline stuff that's um, Canada's involved in um, LNG product projects, those types of things. And just in general, people, you know, if they need an aerial view of anything, you know, or it can be uh, taking people to uh, a private residence, you know, mm -hmm. that just happens to have a really big front lawn. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's truly that last mile service, right? I mean, it's so unique, <laughs> the ability to get exactly where you need to go. So Megan, you've talked a lot about diverse fleets from the Augusta to the fixed wing jets, long range jets. Talk a little bit about the diverse uses of those assets. We do, uh, you know, medevacs. We're not set up for actual medevacs uh, with a stretcher, but a lot of medevacs don't consist of um, people. Uh, we do uh, support uh, transplant flights, and then uh, you know, which is saving, saving, saving a life. So that's important to us here, and we can we can be in the air in approximately two hours from the first phone call as well as critical infrastructure uh, like railroads, major derailments for, you know, uh, a national railway is, is millions by the minute um, if that's blocked. So we're taking uh, people in business suits as well as construction boots. <laughs> From business suits to construction boots. <laughs> what a perfect line. Thanks to Megan for taking the time to join us, sharing a little bit about her career to date. Uh, how she views business aviation and her role uh, as a client services manager at London Air Services. And thanks to each of you for taking the time to have a listen. Stay tuned as we go forward in the balance of 2021. We'll continue in this journey of sharing those individuals that are in our industry, uh, the accomplishments they're making, and, and really sharing the story that business aviation undertakes. Thanks, everyone. Take care. <laughs>